0: Good evening, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be here. You know, you can't just come one service. It's like a bag of Lay's potato chips, right? You can't just have one. You need to come to them all. Eat the whole bag. All right, we're still in Colossians, and uh, we're going to make a little bit of progress today, Lord willing. And we are in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. And tonight we'll be looking at long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our evening here tonight to be able to open your Word and to dig into it. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit, help help me in presenting your your Word uh, for your people here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to to take something away to be able to apply to our lives and draw closer to you in these days. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So last time we spent. Um, some time looking at kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and the rest. And, and today we're going to look at long-suffering. And another word you could say for long-suffering, I'm not sure if anybody here uses on a regular basis, if it's uh, their, their con- common vernacular parlance that they, they deal with it, to say long-suffering. I mean, you could consider it more like a, a Bible word, and that's where we find it often. Uh, maybe in literature might be a place you would find it, but it's not something that comes to mind and comes off the tongue readily in this day and age. The word we would more commonly use is patience or to be patient. Some Bible translations will translate this patience, but good thing we have a, a word that has a little bit more meaning to it than just simple patience, long-suffering. So long-suffering is another quality among many that here that we've already gone through and many others that are discussed throughout the Word of God that we should put on. We practice long-suffering by be, being patient in our circumstances in general and more specifically through trials with those who offend us. So I'm not sure about you, but each one of these things here that we're going through is something that I need to work on personally. The humbleness of mind, kindness, meekness, and now long-suffering, and being patient in all the situations that I'm dealt. Work is a struggle for me at times, and um, I'm not always patient, as I should be. That's something I need to work on. And you know that that's something that we can get out of these lessons here. Uh, just the Word of God speaking to our hearts. Each one of these things, I can think of times when I haven't been the, the, the... the the, the chief proponent or the uh, exemplifying that, that characteristic and uh, thank God he's still working on me and giving me another chance to do right so Christians are called to be patient and to wait on the Lord and trust in his timing in all things right we we live in a society where maybe I'm going to get ahead of myself here but uh, where we got to have it now and that's not necessarily what God has for us all the time sometimes God will allow us to have something at that moment maybe there's an instant in prayer that you go to him and, and ask for something petition him for it and it's it's a real pressing need and he answers that in His in his way being yes or no or maybe it's still wait but we're called to be patient to be long suffering in all things we don't hold grudges at least we shouldn't right how many is, how many here have held a grudge before? it's pretty easy right? can I raise both hands um sadly, that's true, and that's not a that's not a christian thing to do that's not a christ like thing to do with our sin he's for- he's he's put that as far as the east is from the west um as he said he doesn't hold a grudge. well, do you remember that last week when you said this or you did that or you thought nobody was looking there? Well, no. If you confess it and forsake it, he's, he's faithful and true to forgive you of it. And thank thank God we have that as God's characteristic, what he, what he does for us. So we, we shouldn't hold grudges, and we hold out hope for renewal and restoration with others, right? If we've offended somebody or they've offended us, we hold out hope that we can renew that relationship. We commit our hurt feelings to the Lord, and trust Him for strength to respond properly to each stressful situation. Right? These are things that we should be doing. We're not always be doing, always doing, always a, a, a thing to aspire to is to become more like Christ, and, and trust Him more in our daily in our daily uh, in our daily walk with Him. Psalm 27:14 says, "Wait on the Lord; be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart." Wait, I say, on the Lord. In God's time. He answers all. So, when does the world? What does the world have to say about long suffering and patience? Well, mostly that it's an antiquated word. It's an antiquated concept, right? And that you don't have to wait. You can have it all right now. Don't we see that today? I've spent a little bit in my youth on credit cards and and run run up some bills, and thankfully I was able to pay them off in short order but not after incurring some interest charges they really rack up if you just let those credit cards sit there. But You know our society says today have plastic will spend. Credit card spending you know you can you can have this also this buy it now pay later financing. Are you actually buying it now? No you are you are basically following after the lust of the flesh in saying I have to have this thing right now and I can't wait but I can tell you once when you have the opportunity if there is something that you really think you need if you sit back and wait oftentimes you figure out you really don't need that thing it's a passing and fleeting fad having patience being able to have self-control in what we do And, you know, I'm I'm going to be using a lot of adjectives here that you could pretty much cross through all of these things that we've been talking about here. Meekness and kindness and humbleness of mind and not being prideful, uh, having bowels of mercy and compassion to you. There's There's a constant thread that runs through all of these, and we'll touch on that a little bit at the end. But our national deficit spending, oh my goodness, I saw a video, and it was it was an older video from the nineties don't don't tell me don't ask me which date in the nineties, but it was saying it was flashing up there that our national debt was four trillion <laughs> i Where are we at now? Are we at twenty four maybe something like that slated to put like four trillion on this year it, something like that on those order of things so once it was four trillion now we're just adding that year upon year but right national deficit spending we can't say no to spending and right we just blame Democrats for that right they're the ones that spend no no I I think they're all just as bad doesn't matter what party they're they don't know how to say no we have a party that claims to be fiscally responsible I forgot I think they forgot two letters responsible so national debt is spent, we keep borrowing and spending, but where does this money come from? It comes from the generations that have yet to be born. I'm not going to be able to pay it off. I think each each person in the, this country would owe some somewhere upwards of a hundred thousand dollars they would have to pay toward just the national debt. That doesn't include you eating your next meal, paying your mortgage payment or rent payment, any of these things. But you can have borrowing from the future generations to live the good life now, right? We got to have it now. Let's just keep spending. We'll keep borrowing. We'll keep printing money. But you're robbing from someone else. You're not being patient in what the Lord has for you right now. How selfish is that? So, more poignant examples of the lack of long suffering in the world today are, well, YouTube videos right there this is it's all about me in YouTube and there's a class of YouTube videos called uh, what I what I phrase as so-and-so somebody reacts to something right they they have this this idea of where uh, they will either play a video clip or some movie or some song or some Other person doing something and then they have some commentary on it that is all based solely and completely in emotion and reaction to the moment right it's based on emotion it's not patient it's either outrage or surprise it's not thought through uh, understanding of what's going on it's just reacting that's not being patient that's our world today we're not a patient society So that's what the world says. What does the Bible have to say about long-suffering? That's the more important thing. You can often learn a lot from mistakes. And I think failure is a great teacher, right? Learning what the world wants or says is good, understanding that that doesn't line up with the Bible, and saying you can learn from the failures of the world and not do that, and look at the, the principles of the Bible and see how can I live that way So what does the Bible have to say about long suffering Well consider Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 Here we find Hannah the wife of Elkanah that she could not conceive a child Yearly Elkanah went with his family to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh verse 3 the scripture mentions an adversary who provoked her and ridiculed her situation, and we find out that that is Elkanah's other wife, second wife, who was able to have children and who was quite mean and, and uh, distasteful toward her, um, toward Hannah. Hannah wept and did not eat. This cra- caused great turmoil and travail in her. But one thing we don't see here is we see here that Hannah did not react. Right, react. I'm not going to react out of emotion she's clearly emotional she's weeping she's not eating this is clearly stressing her but she's not reacting and lashing out toward Peninnah Peninnah's ridicule and torments instead she demonstrates long suffering through this trial and struggle she's patient, she's weathering this storm one year she poured out her heart and soul to the Lord and vowed to give her firstborn son to serve the Lord all the days of his life. When Eli the priest realized she was sincere and not just drunk with wine. He said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Eli didn't know, the Lord did. As the narrative goes, the Lord remembered her and Hannah did conceive a baby boy named Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. Later, God would remember her again, and she would have three more sons and two daughters. Hannah was long-suffering and patient through her trials, and this is what we remember about her. She's not only the mother of Samuel, a great prophet, but but here, just her long-suffering and patient uh, existence through her trials. In this case, the Lord did grant her petition for a son. But this doesn't mean that this doesn't imply that being long-suffering and patient, even in the most sincere form and the most godly of form, will God grant you what you want. It's not a magic formula. Instead, we're to be content in and with the state the Lord has placed us in. Paul wrote in Philippians 4:11 and 12, "For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to how to abound. Everywhere." And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul's writing there of how to, how to you understand what God has given to you, whatever it may be, we don't have equal outcomes, as this world tells us that we are supposed to have. We have an opportunity that God has given us. He has given us with certain gifts, given us certain positions, and responsibilities and said okay, you need to live according to my principles in whatever state I've given you, whether that be with much or with little that's something this world needs to to learn about, but we as Christians can understand that, that God's love is complete and he's given us all that we need to serve him in this life whatever he has for us he's given us the ability to do it we just need to go out and and uh, follow him and trust in him when we can't see what's coming next and Peter writing of God's long suffering toward man Second Peter, Peter chapter 3 verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise Right, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved his promise is there you call upon me you'll be saved as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is long-suffering; is the is the is the pinnacle example of being long-suffering, right? He has a sinful people, since Adam sinned, and 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 Eve was deceived, and ever since then we've had that sin nature within us that only can be reconciled. By repentance toward God and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and that in that God has given us all the opportunities that we we understand that we have from the moment we come to that knowledge of our sin all the way until we take our last breath and step into eternity and as far as we know everyone walking this earth today has that opportunity let us be those that carry this gospel message to them to this lost and dying world. So question number 11. Let's think a little bit about Jesus' relationship with his disciples. Which ones do you think he had to be most long-suffering with? Anybody? I got two. We could say all of them in general, right? As a generic answer, but that's that's kind of lame. So let's let's maybe think a little bit. Not too hard. Two of them come to mind. Pastor? Judas and Peter. Judas and Peter, yes. Judas and Peter would be the two, right? Both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So question number 12 of these two men, Judas and Peter, what was the result of showing long-suffering to his disciples? Toward Peter, what was the result toward Peter? Sister Lynn? Yeah. He learned and he grew spiritually, right? He 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 first was the one to just kind of run his mouth and and uh try to dive right into whatever situation and and ultimately denied the Lord thrice. And that that hurt. I can't imagine. We read about it and we can we can just understand just from reading about it, but to actually have done that must have hurt him greatly. To realize what he did. But you know, Peter turned into a mighty man into a mighty man again and never again cowered before men standing while he was standing for the Lord right he cowered when he denied the Lord but after that he had some doubts a little bit along the way of am, am I the one am I supposed to eat of this food that's come down on this sheet But then again you you see him preaching at the temple he's not cowering down they threatened him he's he's out um, Doing what, what Jesus told him to do. Go tell go tell others about me. Takes the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius. And then Judas. <clears throat> what about Judas? What was the result of Christ showing his showing long suffering to Judas? Well, I think it's simply that he loved him, called him friend, all the way till the end and gave him every opportunity to turn from his wickedness and believe and that's long suffering right there all the way to the end of his life he, he had that opportunity to trust and believe alright so we'll move on verse 13 forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And this is one of those verses that's you know you gotta really take to heart. Because you gotta think about what have I been forgiven? Think about my if I think about my sin, and I'm not gonna tell you, you just think about yours, what you've done in the past. And know that Christ, Jesus Christ, has forgiven you of that sin if you're if you're a believer. And because of that we've been forgiven of much, I should say all, we've been forgiven of all, it should be a simple thing to be able to forgive others in that same vein. We have the perfect example in Jesus and what he's done for us. (coughs) So those who forbear will not retaliate, they won't react as the world wants you to react they will say to say they'll put up with their circumstances or they'll tolerate them right there's the uh, we've all probably seen cat videos right? there's the cat that gets up and, and is um, either it's the cat antagonizing the dog or the dog antagonizing the cat. Let's just say the dog is antagonizing the cat at this point dogs coming over poking at the cat and the cat's just laying there, doesn't want to do anything And eventually we'll get so mad that it will slap the dog in the face. Well, there's a a limit to a cat's forbearance in that sense. It does react after a little bit, a little bit of time. But here we're called to forbear one another. So our relationship between our brothers and sisters in Christ isn't perfect, right? We're human, we're sinful creatures. We can work in the flesh at times. And we can have quarrels and disagreements. But that shouldn't keep us from having proper godly fellowship with one another. By understanding where we are in Christ and what he's done for us, those should be small things. Easily reconciled. So those who forbear will put up with or tolerate a difficult situation. They'll bear up under criticism, even persecution. So this isn't always... You know the greatest of times you could be being persecuted for your beliefs um, not necessarily from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ but from the world um, so believers see relationships particularly those within the church is too valuable to mar with mean mean-spirited, mean-spirited retaliation so the world wants you to react but your brothers and sisters in Christ you have a closer bond to them than you do the world and I would say you have a closer bond to them than your lost family blood is thicker than water is a saying right I agree the blood of Christ is thicker forbearance was particularly hard For the believers in the first century and beyond who faced persecution for their faith, but their forbearance was often their greatest testimony of the love of God. If you're being persecuted, if you're being criticized, if you have a quarrel with someone, if there's a disagreement, and the world sees you react, and they know you're a Christian, what kind of testimony is that to the world? Well, you're a Christian you're acting just like me and you have a whole bunch of rules they might say why should I become a Christian? Right. our testimony is is a strong thing that we should guard against uh, soiling in all that we do again to be able to be long suffering and able to forbear isn't something that can be successfully done in the flesh Right. this is well, I'm going to forbear, forbear all that's going on in my life today. Good luck. Start all things with prayer, right? Give it up to the Lord. We must be yielded to the Holy Spirit and give our burdens over to Christ. We can't solve everything in our life, but He can. He can use it for His good and for His glory. So Colossians 3.13, end of it, If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So what does forgiveness look like in practice, right? We see that Christ has forgiven the Christian. How much is he forgiven? This is all, all without exception, right, everything. We've been forgiven of all. There's nothing that we can do to add to our salvation nor take away from it once you're in the hand of God, once you're in Christ that positional in as the Bible has it you can't get out, you're His so in our lost state you could say that there was a quarrel or a problem between us and God the problem was sin to have our sin problem rectified we had to repent of our sin toward God and place our faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ that's how you get that problem that quarrel with God rectified Paul stated that Christ is the model of forgiveness here in in verse 13 Christ forgave even though it cost him the pain of death Right, he had to die on the cross and shed his blood and most importantly rise again For salvation to be available to all. He didn't base his forgiveness on what he stood to gain, but on what others stood to gain, right? It was a selfless act. Forgiveness isn't about you, it's about the other person. We'll explain that a little bit here, hopefully. Forgiveness, for the sake of others, is a radical concept in the in a world obsessed with defending one's own rights. Right? It's it's all about me, not really. So it's all about restoring that relationship and having the forgiveness. The forgiveness is something. If someone has wronged you, forgive them, regardless of whether they come back and ask for it, or they say they're sorry, or they do nothing at all. Right? Give it up to the Lord. You're going to need him anyway to help you to help you do it you're not going to be able to forgive someone on your own i can tell you that for certain so the fra- phrase forgiving one another here in verse 13 suggests that every believer will need to both grant and seek forgiveness this isn't a everybody always offends me but i never offend anybody that's that's not true, right? <laughs> I've offended many people. Whether it be wrong motivation, wrong spirit, or even a right motivation and a right spirit, right? You can offend somebody by sharing the gospel with them, telling them that Jesus is the only way to, to heaven. That's offensive. That's radical. This world wants to tell you there's many ways. People who profess to be Christians, and I, I guess I have to use air quotes for that, maybe a trademark label on the end of it, Christian, will say there are many ways to God even today. It's not true. The Bible tells us Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. so that every believer will need to both grant and seek forgiveness. In essence, when there is a rift between two believers, they ought to meet each other on their way to reconcile with each other." Right? You're either the offender or the offendee, and that relationship is broken. When we sin, we're the offender. God is the offendee. That relationship, that fellowship is broken. That needs to be restored. God is waiting and always ready to hear. It's just we have to get away from our. Again, we have pride. uh, We need to have humbleness of spirit, meekness, this long-suffering aspect. Um, In 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 recognizing our sin that we've offended God, and go and confess our sin to Him. Right? We have no other mediator but Christ. No other man. Don't tell me your sin. You can tell me your burdens and I'll pray for you. But your sin is something you take to God. So the offender should come seeking forgiveness, and the offended should come offering forgiveness. Right? This is something, if you're in the Spirit, you're going you're gonna to step on somebody's toes. You're going to do something wrong, or you're going to be offended, or have your sto- toes stepped on. And it's it's going to happen. We live in a lost and fallen world, and we should be we should be above uh, that prideful spirit that that uh, that is so easily right there. And I think is the center of all sin, pride, and it, 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 to get over, get over it, and come and seek forgiveness, or be able to offer forgiveness to. Get away from the pride aspect of, of this. Remember what you've been forgiven of in Christ. So question number 13. This is something that we try to to, to enforce with our kids. Uh, the question is, what is the difference between saying, I'm sorry, and I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Anybody want to add to that? Pastor? Sorry, man. yeah right it a lot of times it is that I'm sorry I got caught I'm sorry dot 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 that I got caught yeah and then what about um, I was wrong will you forgive me I think it shows an an air of repentance you recognize what you've done and you acknowledge that and you confess it and ask for forgiveness Now, whether that forgiveness is forthcoming or not, it's still the right thing to do. Still, that other person may take a long time to be willing to forgive you, but it's still the right thing to do. When you know you've wronged somebody, confess it, ask for forgiveness, and give it to the Lord then after that. So, yeah, I'm sorry is to admit feeling bad over the wrongdoing, whether you got caught or not, or you just feel bad. Oh, I feel bad that I, I hurt you, so I'm sorry. Really? Sister Lynn? Oftentimes, I'm sorry is an automatic response, and it really has no meaning at all. That's true. That's very true. When, when you state what you've done was wrong, you have an humble spirit, and, and you're you, willing to rise above that. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah, you you acknowledge that you've done wrong, and see that this is I've I've actually hurt someone. Yeah, I'm sorry is something that just kind of rolls off, rolls off the lips. It's a sweet nothing, I suppose, is what it might be said. Not a sour nothing, I suppose. You're not in a not in a good good mood at that point. I'm sorry is that's not a sweet nothing. So saying I was wrong, I will forgive you opens the door for reconciliation, and then that's what we're trying to get back to here. We're reconciled to God through Christ, as Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 21 says. So two people won't be reconciled until the offender admits guilt, excuse me, and asks for forgiveness, and the offended grants forgiveness, right? That's when the issue is resolved. When that forgiveness is granted, when that forgiveness is asked for at that point, the issue is over. It should be over. At that point you give it up to God. Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes it takes a long time to get over it, possibly. But that's something you can rely on. You can pray and ask God to help you work through this situation. I still I still feel, although less, guilt today for things that I did when I was a kid. Things I did before I was saved. Once in a while, you know, it pops up in your mind, you remember when you did this? Everyone when he did that, and uh, those are probably the devil tempting me in 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 that in life to try to discourage me. Uh, but you know, I give it to the Lord. I say, Lord, I've, as best I know, I've done. I've, I've turned from that. I'm try to reconcile as best I can, and when I, when the opportunities occur. But you know, that's where the the help of the Holy Spirit in your life works. Right, you can't. This is not a. This is not sit down in counseling and and say, and, and get the one party to say something, the other party to say something in front of a psychologist or mediator or something like that in a, in a worldly view, but to do it with with the spirit of God behind you and motivating you and working through you, that's the only way this is going to work. In any to have any lasting effect. So next week we'll look into verse fourteen. <coughs> So as a as a foreshadow, I'd like to point out some parallels in Colossians chapter 3, between Colossians chapter 3 and, and Ephesians 4, just some really quick ones here. So we've been looking at verses 12 and 13, but I'll add verse 14. And these passages seem to go together, a lot of the words line up and verbiage lines up, and we'll be able to draw some from these two passages. So Colossians 12 through 14, uh, 3, verses 12 through 14, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And I'll argue this is the thread that's running through them all, is charity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I, and Paul is writing here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness, and we would relate this to humbleness of mind or lack of pride, and meekness, well, meekness again, power under restraint, self-control, with long-suffering, parallel here, Patience, willing to endure. Forbearing, forbearing, with the idea of forbearing and forgiving one another in love. Well, that's charity. Charity is the pinnacle of love. Love is is a component of, of charity. So we'll continue to, to look into verse 14 next week and continue to move through our study. So thank you uh, for participating tonight so let's go ahead and pray Heavenly Father we thank you for our evening here tonight for opening up your word and looking into it Lord to be able to be edified and grow closer to you this thing of repentance uh, to be long suffering to forbear and to forgive Lord that it, it is not done in the flesh cannot be done in the flesh with any lasting effect or meaning, meaningful effect but Lord we have to rely on you and your spirit working through us to restore relationships to um, to be able to have patience in all, patience in all things in the trials of daily life, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you with our <coughs> with our concerns, our petitions, our uh, confession, Lord, to you that uh, and, and receive that help that we need, Lord, to be able to live this life for you. Help us, we pray that we continue to uh, lean on you in these days. And bring us back here safely, tarry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.